99 Jams Community Matters. It's your girl, Super Cindy. Happy Sunday, everybody. Live in the studio, I'm here with an organization that has done so much for the youth, Generational Cure, and I have the president, Mr. Charles Williams. Good morning, Charles. Good morning, Miss Cindy. How are you? I'm good. How you feeling on this Sunday? Very sleep deprived. <laughs> You're supposed to be in church right now, so you shouldn't feel sleep deprived. <laughs> mm, yep. So let's talk about generational cure. Um, what exactly is briefly? Um, what is generational cure? Generational cure is an out of the box mentoring organization. Uh, we focus on literary arts, financial literacy, and uh, just uprooting the issues that most young people are dealing with from their families. Okay, so what made you um start this this organization? Well. The title in itself, Generational Cure, is a little self-explanatory. I'm a, I'm a product of basically a generational curse, a, a father who didn't have his father in his life, and mm. it pretty much just carried over to me. So I didn't know my grandfather. My father was very minimal as far as presence in my life, and um, I just wanted to, to stop basically that that issue um and it was also something that many of my friends could relate to you're from south florida born and raised in miami florida liberty city the pork and bean projects okay uh attended miami northwestern went to flomo uh went to fiu so you were true 305 absolutely absolutely (laughs) um yeah a lot of my friends like i said their fathers are incarcerated and they followed those footsteps so I wanted to make sure that we did something with this organization that completely stopped that so that we can do something different going forward. When you were growing up, did your father was in and out or he was completely out of your life? He was in and out. Yeah. So when you were younger, because, you know, when we're young, mm-hmm. we might feel a certain way, but we don't really know why or whatever. As a young person, did you understand, like, how did the effects of your dad not being there <laughs> and being in and out, like, affect you? Or did you even notice it affected you? Uh, yeah, of course I noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed it because there was someone that tried to be as consistent as possible, and my uncle. Okay. Uh, my uncle was very consistent with his children. So I noticed mm. the inconsistency on my father's behalf. So, so you were around cousins that had a dad. Absolutely. And then your dad. But he, even though he tried to be your dad, but that's still not your dad. Yeah, my uncle was my father figure forever. Okay. Um, so much so that he used to tell me to stop telling people he was my dad. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I just noticed that my dad wasn't there, you know, for every reason. My mom was there for everything consistently, but my father just wasn't there. You know, uh, elementary graduations, awards, ceremonies, middle school, we carried over to college. You know, he just was not there. Um, but I got over it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's some, uh, I say there's some scars that I carried from my childhood um, mm-hmm. that I learned to cope with. And because of that, you know, the mentoring organization is therapeutic. I can now help young men, you know, by empathizing with what they're going through. What effects in general, not just to you, but you're, I'm sure you're, you're answering this question from experience. Mm-hmm. What is growing up not having a father figure in your life, what are the effects of that? Like, what are some of the things that you think are the outcome, especially with boys, with young men? It's like trying to grow a plant without a flower pot. Mm, so the soil's just... Soil's everywhere, the roots are everywhere. Um, we know what the finished product is supposed to be, mm-hmm. but the soil and the roots are just everywhere. There's there's no guidance, nothing keeping it in line. Um and there's also a possibility that the plant may not grow because the soil is everywhere. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with that analogy, I mean, as far as uh, myself personally, just 
growing up without a father, I was uh, faced with a lot of incarceration uh, because I wanted to follow, you know, the stronger influences in my life. So even as being a, a college student, my mm-hmm. first day at FIU, I still left and went to the trap on 15th Avenue. Wow. Um, and hung out with friends that, you know, just were great influences in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, as opposed to me being an influence on them, it kind of, you know, was counterproductive. Yeah, because that was the dominant. Absolutely. Of- absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um and, and just whatever environment a mother may raise their child in, mm-hmm. it's more than certain that that child is going to succumb to that environment. Yeah. So, I mean, these are just things that happens when you grow up without that, that dominant figure in your life, without someone speaking life into you, yeah. without someone offering that guidance, without a replica of what you are going to become. Yeah, you don't have model. any blueprint. Mm-hmm. So you don't know. You don't know what you're going to become if you, because you don't see anything before yeah. you. So you just pretty much reach out to every tangible um, example. And and, and, that, and it may be good or bad. Right. And so, in that know. case, you're just everywhere. And that's yeah. what happens. A lot of our young men are just everywhere. And in the process of being everywhere there, as the Bible said, that sifted is weak. Mm. And this generation, like, you know, I love the way you, you call your organization Generational Cure, mm-hmm. because this is an epidemic Absolutely. in our community of no father figures. Yep. And even for the young ladies, no mother figures and no right. father figures. And they're just really raising themselves or raising their younger siblings or being raised by a grandmother who's too old to really put her foot down or a a family member that can only do so much because they have their own thing going on. It's a lot of um, like long and it keeps going generation, generation, generation. So your organization has an awesome name. You thought of that? Yeah, you thought of that. It's God given. Okay. Completely God God thought of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) So what are some of the things that your organization um, does in the community? I think a better question would be some of the things that we don't do. Hello. So so rephrase my question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We feed the homeless. Um, Mm -hmm. We we, uh, have an annual blanket drive. Um, So, you know, basically when the months of like October to February, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that in Miami uh, it's cold up until about 12 in the afternoon Yeah, and then it's scorching hot outside yeah. but in the shadows downtown and overtime where cold. those skyscrapers and buildings are in the proximity of water you know mm-hmm. with Biscayne Bay the homeless people are still cold yeah. especially at night and we don't think about that in Miami we don't like, we don't yeah. unless you have to go to court or something like that and you <laughs> get like, down there like, where the draft came from <laughs> yeah. but they deal with that all day mm-hmm. so we have an annual blanket drive that we do every year where we bring them uh, care packages food, you know, things of that nature. Um, We have a trip coming up, I believe, in May where we're taking the young people to uh, the South Florida Reception Center, a prison, so that Mm. they can actually see um, where they don't want to end up at. So scared straight. Scared straight, basically, yeah. Um, We have uh, an HBCU tour that we're going on uh, in June. Mm -hmm. Uh, The proceeds from our fourth annual Black and White Gala Mm -hmm. will go towards that. Um, And that's basically just exposure for exposure purposes, because as we were talking about before, our young people aspire to what they're exposed to. Mm -hmm. So if they only see, Mm -hmm. you know, the the neighborhoods where people may have dropped out of high school and Mm -hmm. they're able to sustain a life with, you know, a nine to five, then that's what they'll aspire to because they don't see a reason to go to college Mm -hmm. and they don't see a reason to finish high school. So we Mm -hmm. give them, you know, greater exposure, teaching them from our mistakes you know, errors of our ways and just give them wisdom. Where do your, your members come from? Like, how do you find these young kids and what are their, what are their ages? Uh, we start at the ages from eight and they age out at 18. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 16-week program, mm-hmm. and typically we've had young people for two years. Yeah, um, we evaluate them initially when they come in, mm-hmm. and uh, somewhere along the line we evaluate them again to see if the 16 weeks is uh, suitable for them. So we're not a cookie-cutter organization to say yeah. you come in, this is your time frame, and we're done with you. Um, what we do is we have a relationship with all of the parents, the caregivers, grandparents, as you mentioned before, yeah. um, whomever it may be that brought the young person in. So a lot of our young people come through word of mouth. So there's a child that's graduating um, at this upcoming fourth annual Black and White Gala. Mm-hmm. We'll His, get into the Black and right, White Gala. Right, right, His mother called me maybe three days ago, mm-hmm. um, woke me up out of my sleep and said that her co-worker has a son that he's mentoring. There you have it. You know, so your your services are going to speak for themselves. And it's okay that they're already like, because t- a lot of organizations... They like to get them when they're young so they can mold them throughout their lives. And sometimes when they hit 14, 13, Mm -hmm. and they start Mm -hmm. acting Mm -hmm. crazy and (laughs) going off the Mm -hmm. rails, um, a lot of organizations are like, well, we don't really know where to direct you. No, that's that's absolutely not true. Um, Mm -hmm. The the teenage years are the more impressionable years, Mm -hmm. if, you know, truth be told. I actually just heard a very predominant uh, African-American lawyer say something in regards to just, you know, disregarding young people at that age range Mm -hmm. that you're speaking of. And I was a little taken back by that because what I revealed to him later on after he spoke was the last time he and I had met, um, I was in front of him because of a gun charge and I was already past that age limit. Mm. So you you can't put a, a a limit on you know when these young people can be molded and when they can be changed because once you plant the seed, um, if you plant it into good soil, then something will come from it. Uh, we had a young man that came to us maybe uh, I believe the the last half of his senior year. Mm-hmm. He wasn't going to graduate. He was a top recruit, uh, getting ready to go off to college, but. The colleges were telling him, you're not going to, you know, get signed if you don't get it together. He's doing phenomenal now. He's playing for the University of Louisville. Hello. And, um, I mean, it it worked out. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we have these testimonies Mm -hmm. to basically combat when people say things like this. Of course. Receipts. You got receipts, Oh, you better believe it. You better (laughs) believe it. We have history. A lot of it. Let Mm -hmm. me ask you. So you've touched on... um, Speaking about your youth, your mm-hmm. young years, how you were incarcerated, when was the first time that you got into trouble with the law? Like, not just the lady in the neighborhood right, or something like that, like, right. Tenth real, grade. In, in real trouble. Tenth grade. Um, I know that it's not really a big thing anymore, but Miami used to have this big game, uh, the Soul Bowl, mm-hmm. uh, Jackson versus Miami yeah, Northwestern. You know, it used to be at the um, the Orange Bowl, we yeah. would sell out, and even at the um, what used to be Joe Robbie Stadium, now Hard Rock. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was the Monday after the game, mm-hmm. I was in the projects on 15th Avenue. I never could roll dice or gamble, but I was with my friend. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I would give him the money he'd win for us. And uh, a very well-known uh, police chief came with his crew and, you know, they they came and broke up the crap game. And that was the 10th grade. That was my first interaction with the law. And uh, I got and a charge. And you got arrested for that? I got oh, arrested got for a, uh, trespassing. Back then you would get... Mm-hmm. Oh, for, okay. Yeah, they had to find a charge to put on me because I wasn't gambling. Yeah, I was like, playing dice, you get arrested? <laughs> right, 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 right. So yeah. I got a charge for trespassing mm-hmm. as a juvenile. Uh, my first offense as an adult was uh, possession of a firearm mm-hmm. and altered serial number. I was actually going to rob. Um, Tell us that story. Don't just pass by that story. What happened? <laughs> so, so you were how old? Um, the possession of a firearm charge was, um, I think I was maybe 24. Okay, so you are you were on your way to rob a store, a bank, or what were you on your way to rob? A, a Chinese restaurant. Okay, and did you get some egg rolls? No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's, <laughs> that's not funny. That's funny. Okay, that no, that's funny. not funny. <laughs> but how, like... 
paint the picture of that night or that day. Like, what were you alone? Were you no, with a group uh, well, of friends? Here's what happened. Okay. Um, I became extremely impatient. Mm-hmm. I had actually that day just gotten a job. Um, I went on an interview. I have an ability to go on an interview 90% of the time and get the job. Okay. I can sell myself. I can mm-hmm. articulate. Um, so I went on the interview, Los Olas. Okay. Got the job, but I was still two car payments behind. Hmm, the pressure. Exactly. And, How uh, you going to get to Los Olas? Exactly. So oh, gosh. Um, my uh, car note company called me. Mm. And um, on the way there, they called me and told me, listen, if you don't catch up, we're going to come get the car. Mm. Lo and behold, I had a firearm in my car, a ski mask in my trunk. I was ready. Mm. So um, on the way back, I, I kept with my plan. Mm-hmm. Um, God gave me a few warning signs. I still avoided those warning Ignored signs. Ignored them. Mm-hmm. I even went to the trap with my friends. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I asked. I tried to recruit a few. Yeah. And they were like, listen. <laughs> they were like, nope. No. You know, um, even my friends that may have been doing wrong, mm-hmm. although to provide for themselves at mm-hmm. that time, because a lot of them didn't have any parental structure, any parental help. Yeah. Um, they saw potential in me. And they said, you know, we're not going. You're so, the good one of the crew. Don't, you right. Know, so yeah. lo and behold, a, a college student, mm-hmm. um, although raising the projects and everything, you know, I still had just, you know, one foot in, one foot out. And uh, leaving the trap, I got pulled over. And I thank God that I got pulled over and didn't make it to so where you didn't I was even going. make it to the Chinese place. I had changed my mind. The Chinese restaurant wasn't even on my mind anymore. It was oh. AutoZone. Oh, whoa, you were going bigger corporate. Yeah, I went bigger. I went bigger. <laughs> I was on right next door. Stopped. So those that live in Miami will know this area that I'm referring to. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I was um, I was headed to AutoZone, and I got pulled over because my car matched the description of a vehicle that was in a robbery a week before. And I know for a fact that I was at my former job um, during the time that this supposed robbery took place. But, you know, uh, this was probably the only time that being— um, I guess stereotype yeah. actually worked in my favor. Thank God you're yeah. stereotyped. It worked in my favor that day. Because right? <laughs> you'd probably still be in jail now. Like, isn't that armed robbery? Is that like a lot of years? Yeah. Um, overall, wow. I think I faced a, a collective of 100 years in prison. Oh, my God. Overall. Um, just from various charges. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I'm not doing those right now. I'm sitting right here in front of you. Of course. But I have a friend that's doing 11 years fair time who mm-hmm. had a uh, full Academic scholarship to Florida State. Mm. I have a friend who's doing 40 years um, state. They're actually brothers. And this mm. is where the influence or the the idea of the organization made sense. Um, for example, when God gave me the idea, I said, okay, it makes sense for me. But when I looked at my surroundings, mm-hmm. I looked at friends that have fathers that are, you know, infamous dope dealers, well-known guys across mm-hmm. the country, and they're following in their father's footsteps um, or you know, it, that's what they know, and exactly, they see the exactly. they, they see the benefits of the, that lifestyle, right, right, the right. good and the bad, and they're willing. That's all they know. They're willing they to risk it all just yeah. because you know there's something tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, they want the quick fix, you know, the, the immediate return, and that's the problem. Like we we don't tell our young people, you know, much like what Nipsey was talking about. Rest yeah. in, rest in peace to Nipsey um, about investing and and the, mm-hmm. the long term hustle. Yeah. Um, the young people don't understand don't that. Get it. They, they don't get that. They want instant gratification. That's exactly what I was about to say. Um, and we can attribute a lot of that to television, you know, because not and everybody's social media, yeah, social media big time, social media, yeah. because not everybody wants to be transparent. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm seeing now, shout out to the city girls, but I'm seeing like a lot of copycats now yeah. on social media and they're going way above and beyond just for shock value. And, 
for nothing. Because what is the outcome of exactly. it eventually? You, you like still have a nine to five, but you 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 have children, you have family that you're, you know, um, kind of embarrassing a little bit mm-hmm. because you're not really getting paid for the stuff that you're doing. You're just trying to mimic out. what someone else is doing, mm-hmm. hoping that it'll work out for you. When, when you got stopped that day mm-hmm. on your way to AutoZone and you got stopped, what happened that day? You had a firearm I that was go. illegal, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because the numbers were scratched off, Yeah, altered serial number. Uh-huh. Okay, so what happened that day? Like, you were arrested for how long, or what, what happened to you after that? This was my first um, felony arrest mm-hmm. because I had been arrested for um, driving with a suspended license yeah, like numerous minimum, times. Yeah. So what happened was they, they pulled me over, and coincidentally, my license was suspended at that time. Mm-hmm. And um, I tried to put the firearm. I was driving a 2007 Pontiac Grand Prix, mm-hmm. and I tried to put the gun because my glove box was broken. I was mm-hmm. in an accident, and oh, um, the glove box was broken. So I tried to put the um, the firearm behind my 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 passenger seat, mm-hmm. um, the back seat, and, and put it in the trunk. Yeah. And because it was so tight, and I was pulling so hard, the vehicle was shaking. So the officer, while he's running my you know my plates and my my driver's license, mm-hmm. he noticed that. Mm-hmm. So he got out and he asked me to get out the car, mm-hmm. and then he called for backup. Um, and I had never seen that many officers come for just one firearm or just a suspended license in my life because at that time they didn't know that there was a firearm in the mm-hmm. car. So I'd say there were about maybe six city of Miami police officers wow. that arrived on scene. And um, they, they had a, a field day in my car. There was mm. like a swap meet. They took everything. <laughs> really? Yeah, I had a Blackberry. That's when Blackberries were oh, popping. Okay. They You're took like, my not Blackberry. my Blackberry. Yeah, Come yeah, on, yeah. man. <laughs> they took my Blackberry. Dang. They took my daughter's stroller at the time. They took Gosh. the ski mask, my Slim Jim. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah, they took it all. But, uh, you know, lo and behold, I, I got off. What happened was um, I give God all the glory for getting off, mm-hmm. but it was the presentation. And this is something that we teach our young men and also the young women in our organization. It's mm-hmm. presentation is everything. Yeah. For example, if I never told you about facing, you know, up Those to a hundred years in prison, you I would, would never, never know, know. Mm-hmm. because the ability to articulate, enunciate, mm-hmm. um, the, the literary arts and things of that nature—they're foreign and also they're um, they're, they're not accepted much culturally mm-hmm. in yeah. our community. Yeah. So. In order to soar, in order to, you know, uh, break barriers and open up doors for yourself, you have to be able to present well. So when I went before the judge, I tell the story all the time. Um, there was a young man in there with a rest in peace T-shirt and basketball shorts on. And the ju- he was carrying a baby. And the judge said to him, are you working? And the young man said, no. So the judge said, okay, are you in school? And he said, no. He said, okay, when you come back, don't bring that baby because I'm sentencing you. Mm. Then he called me up, Mr. Williams. The judge smiled at me. I was wearing a tie, dress shirt, slacks, and some Payless dress shoes. Hello, that'll work. Right, it worked. <laughs> I don't even remember who tied that tie because at that time I didn't even know <laughs> how to tie that. It was the ugliest knot ever. Um, but the judge said, Mr. Williams, your case is dismissed. Wow, because presentation, presentation is everything. everything. Now, it's, that's in life general, like the outside of a car, the outside of a gift, Absolutely. the outside of a package. Absolutely. 
is what people get sold on first. Absolutely. Because they don't know what's inside. So. They don't. They don't mm. know. So that, that worked in my favor. Um, thank God for that. And um, I tell my young men and young women that all the time. Like, they don't know my story. When I sit down and tell them and pull out documents, it's like night and day. But Hello. now I can get you to buy into what we're talking about. Yeah, that you're not just talking out right. the side of your neck. You're Absolutely. Like you, you're speaking from experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wanted to touch on, let's talk about your fourth annual, and congratulations on it being your fourth, your Thank fourth you, annual Black and White Gala. Mm-hmm. And it's a celebration of youth excellence. It's mm-hmm. all happening April 27th. Um, it's awarding students for extraordinary overall improvement, extraordinary academic achievement, extraordinary community service. And the keynote speaker is the City Mammy Gardens Councilwoman Katrina Wilson Davis, and it's hosted by my sister Jill Tracy. Yes, and so, what is it's happening at the Omega Activity Center, one fifty six hundred Northwest Forty Second Avenue, and attire is black and white. Absolutely. Um, after five formal, what does that mean? Black and white after five formal. I don't know. But anyway, it starts. <laughs> so, so the cocktail reception is at six mm-hmm. and the gala is at 7 p.m. Right. So let's talk a little bit about the black and white gala. Okay. Like, w- so what is the purpose of this gala? Um, again, a God given idea when, uh, we, the initial group that we had was extremely rough around the edges, mm-hmm. extremely rough around the edges. Um, a lot of it was word of mouth, but more so, uh, we got, our young people from local organizations in Miami Gardens that didn't want to um, deal with that population. Mm -hmm. So they needed an organization that would deal with the population that was discarded or uh, at risk, so to speak. Okay. So what I wanted to do was I noticed when we would go on field trips to the University of Miami Mm -hmm. um, and other places that they would be looked at a certain way, even in their own communities. Mm -hmm. So I said, let's put together an event where these young people are able to dress up a certain way and they're perceived differently. And it, it grew and from And it makes there. you feel better, too. Like Absolutely. When people are like, hey. When you look good, you feel yeah. good. Mm-hmm. So um, the response, you know, went well, of course. Uh, the first year, you could throw a stone and I'd hit anybody in the room. <laughs> but we didn't get discouraged. Um, we honored a young man the first year by the name of Aaron Johnson. Uh, we also honored um, Oliver Gilbert the first year. Mm-hmm. And then the second year, we completely sold out. Wow. Yeah, we sold out. We had it at the uh, Betty T. Ferguson Center in the auditorium. Okay. We sold out the second year. We sold out the third year, which is when Jill hosted. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we had it, I believe, around Memorial Weekend, and it was raining cats and dogs. Oh, yeah, Memorial. Our, the, room, the, the room was sold out, but nobody showed up. Oh, that, that, but the, the room was sold out, which means the tickets exactly. were sold and right, the money right, was right. raised. Thank you. Right. So <laughs> and this that can year. happen this year, too. And not to say the rain or whatever, right, but right. y'all could buy tickets if you can't make it that Absolutely. day. That'll work. Tickets are definitely on sale. <laughs> tickets are definitely on sale. And um, the, the proceeds go to our HBCU tour, and we're also giving two scholarships of $500 awesome. to uh, two um, qualifying seniors. So these are the seniors that are graduating. They have their acceptance letter. Mm-hmm. Um, one young lady already has her, uh, her letter to arrive on campus where her room's already set up. Awesome. Um, so, you know, this isn't any uh, shade to anyone that doesn't have their acceptance letter yet. Mm-hmm. But we want to make sure that we give these young people something so that they have a leg up on their way out. On their way, yeah. And right. then once they get there, they're Absolutely. not stressing Absolutely. the first day Absolutely. of the little things that they might I was need. a college student, so I know what it's like. Yeah. I know what it's like being, you know, in a bind. And we don't want them to go up there and do something that's, you know, um, yeah. going to contradict what they went up there for. So... 
you know, this gives them a leg up. So two $500 scholarships. So if you want to pur- purchase your tickets, yes. you can. Where can um, they go to do that? Eventbrite, I see here. You can go to Eventbrite. Um, it's also, uh, the link is on our Facebook page. You can find us on Generational Cure, uh, Facebook, Generational Cure at Instagram as well. Those okay. links are there. Awesome. So again, let me give the information out. Um, again, it's hosted by Jill Tracy, the fourth annual Black and White Gala, and it's a celebration of youth excellence. It's all happening April 27th. That's a Saturday. Yes, ma'am. At the um, Omega Activity Center, mm-hmm. 15600 Northwest 42nd Avenue in Miami Gardens is the cocktail reception. It's at 6 p.m. and the gala is at 7 p.m. Attire is black and white and formal. Mm -hmm. And you can go again to Eventbrite. Just look up Generational Cure Mm -hmm. and it'll come up. And even like if they want to find out throughout the year, like give again your social media. You said it's Generational Cure Mm -hmm. on Instagram, Instagram Facebook. Facebook. Any last words before we wrap things up? We always see the things that are going on in the community mm-hmm. and we, we we seem to be at such an outrage. Yeah. Uh, we Collectively, we seem to be at such an outrage. What I recently saw was we took our young people to visit the Hunger Nine. And mm. me being from the Pork and Bean Projects, I saw a complete disconnect in the community as well as um, those that are willing to be on the front line. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was very difficult to get nominations for this event. It was very difficult to get people to come out and be supportive of the Hunger Nine. Mm-hmm. So we have to put our money where our mouth is. Bottom line, we'll go and spend money on lunch and fifty dollars, you know, just Without on lunch. Without thinking twice, exactly. So let's do something that's going to help these young people. Let's contribute. It's only a fifty dollar ticket. I don't want to hear about it's too expensive and things of that nature. It's mm-hmm. only fifty dollars. We spend fifty dollars easily. Yeah, easily. You can get in the lift and, the or, or, or an Uber and spend <laughs> fifty dollars or yeah. whatever the case may be. So. It's only $50 to, to contribute towards these kids. We have nonprofits all across America, and we don't know what they're doing. But you can look at this grassroots organization, Generational Cure. You can look at all of our social media posts. They have receipts. And you can see the work <laughs> that's being done. Mm. So please pour into this organization so that we can pour into our young people. I love it. Charles Williams, thank you so much, Generational Cure. Go to Eventbrite. Even if you can't make it, make a $50 donation. And again, it's happening April 27th, the Black and White, fourth annual Black and White Gala. Charles, thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you for having me again. No worries. Your girl, Super Cindy, Community Matters.